Hey, what's going on, everybody? What's going on? I hope you guys are doing well. Welcome to drboystv.com, the home for intelligent black people. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. It's so good to see everybody. I hope you're having a wonderful day. And uh, also, uh, shout out the city that you're from. Let me know what city you're from. Uh, also, let me know if you can hear me. Uh, holla if you hear me. Say yes in the chat if I'm coming through all right. What's up on Instagram? My Instagram is the real Boyce Watkins. Man, we have something interesting to talk about today. Uh, I just got off the phone with Dr. Claude Anderson, and we were talking about Juneteenth. And Juneteenth, uh, as you know, is the day where everybody gets off work. And uh, it's also uh, considered to be the day where black people were freed from slavery officially. Apparently, somebody forgot to tell us about the Emancipation Proclamation, and they went down to Galveston, Texas, and a General Gordon, General Gordon, if I'm not mistaken, uh, delivered the proclamation or a new order, a new uh, order, order number three, I think that's what it was called, General Order Number Three, to basically say, y'all free, you can go now. And so at that point, everybody was happy. We, we celebrated at Popeye's Chicken and had June had Juneteenth Fest and Freaknik and, and the rest was history. That's the story that we're told. Well, you know, I hate to bring bad news. See, I get, people get mad at me because I, I, I have this habit of telling the truth and uh, that's what I'm gonna keep on doing. I ain't gonna stop. But anyway, do me a favor. Shout out the city you're from. I see Washington, D.C. Uh, is in here. Saginaw, Michigan is up in here. Rhode Island's up in here. I was in Atlanta this week. I hung out with a lot of great people. I went on the Hardly Initiated podcast. Two great brothers who came out of the Black Business School who've now created one of the most uh, powerful podcasts out here. Talked to my friend, The Wall Street Trapper. Hung out with my friend, Killer Mike. My friend, rapper, D1. Uh, we made we released our movie or did a sneak peek on our new film. It's called B1 the Movie, directed by Rick Mathis. Uh, that's going to come out this summer. We are making black owned movies now, in case you did not know. And so we got a lot of stuff going on. And uh, so this weekend, that's what I did. I was in Atlanta. And also in Atlanta is going to be the All Black National Convention, which is going to happen uh, October 20th uh, in, in Atlanta at the Marriott Marquis Hotel. So you can go to boyswalkins.com. You can get information there. Or you can go to allblacknationalconvention.com. All right. So uh, anyway, so Sherry from Jackson, Tennessee, let me tell you what was on my mind today. So I talked to Dr. Claude Anderson about Juneteenth. And uh, here's the thing, right? I don't, I don't really have a big issue with Juneteenth celebrated. You know, let's just be honest. You know, give me a yes if it's okay. Uh, you know, for black folks to take a day off work. I mean, you work hard, you're busting your butt. Why not have a day off work, right? I mean, give me a yes if, if Juneteenth doesn't offend you. I, I'm not offended by the existence of a Juneteenth holiday. I want to I want to make that clear because I, I, I have to be careful because, you know, people get nervous when you have black people that really want to tell the truth and really want to talk about what it is, like really want to talk about what it really is, not what they tell you that it is. And uh, that's what I do. I like to talk about what it is, tell it like it is, share what I know, and that's the goal. But the problem, though, is that we have this habit. We have this habit of sugarcoating things uh, to the point where we are fed all these lies. We have this habit of of of, of sort of accepting uh, not getting real freedom, but getting like sort of these freedom substitutes, almost like liberation light. Uh, it's not real freedom. It's just sort of the illusion of freedom. And I'm going to tell you, Juneteenth is, um, you know, uh, um, I'm going to tell you, Dr. Claude Anderson, when I asked him about it, you know, he's he's the godfather. He wrote the book Poweronomics. And I said, what do you think about Juneteenth, Dr. Anderson? He said it's a scam. That's what he said. Let me make sure I wrote, I wrote it down right. Sham. He didn't say scam. He said sham. See, I got to be specific here. He did not say it was a scam. He said it was a sham. So I said scam. I apologize. So a sham. I don't know if the difference is between a sham and a scam, but he used the word sham. I accidentally used the word scam. So 
here's what Dr. Anderson said in short, in case y'all, in case you are, you know, if your attention span is short and you want to leave after the first two minutes of the video, that is totally fine. The short and long of it is that he says that Juneteenth is not what you need to be fighting for. Juneteenth is more symbolism. Juneteenth is more BS. Juneteenth is more yappity yap. He said, what you need to be fighting for is reparations. I was on the phone with Dr. Claude Anderson just now. We just got off the phone. I called him up. He's like he's like a second father for me. Uh, in fact, um, in fact, like a, he's like a person I think about on Father's Day. That's how much I love this man. And he literally said that uh, I said, what do you want me to tell the people? And I wrote it down. He said Juneteenth is a sham. The only thing that matters is reparations. One thing they did not give you when they gave you Juneteenth was they did not give you your money. Everybody say money. We want our money. Everybody say, F you pay me, pay me my money, money. That's the word money. Where's the money? And, and, and in fact, he actually referenced in our phone call um, uh, that even Biden, I think, did another proclamation to announce that Juneteenth will become a federal holiday. So, so he says that's the sixth time that an emancipation proclamation-ish kind of document came from the government. The sixth time, and I'm going to read this to you. If you want to hang out for the rest of the conversation, I'm about to give you some receipts and some facts. Dr. Anderson has a great book on his site, powernomics.com. It's called The Black History Reader. Stop waiting on public schools to teach your kids critical race theory because they're going to teach it to you wrong anyway. Stop waiting on white folks to teach you history. Black people should be teaching black history. There's no, no disrespect if you're white. I don't dislike you. I just don't trust you. I don't hate you. I just trust my own. I don't, it, it ain't, I got no problem with you at all. I'm not going to beat you up in the street. I'm not that kind of guy, but I am a person who is smart enough to know that when it's time to finish up and stop with the rope-a-dope, we've been getting rope-a-dope since slavery and it's time for us to grow up. The book is called The Black History Reader. The website is powernomics.com. Com. Type powernomics.com in the chat in case somebody doesn't see it. I want everybody to celebrate this man because this is a man who's written tons of books to educate our own. We don't need you to educate us. We got we got this. Stop thinking that you need Massa to read a book to you. Pick up the damn book. You can read it yourself. Do I say if I sound radical for saying this? And I'm sorry. I I can't I can't stop talking because this because me being loud hurts your feelings. Read the damn book yourself. So anyway, the book is called The Black History Reader, and I'm going to read some of this to you so you understand why Dr. Claude Anderson is not convinced that the Juneteenth holiday is worth celebrating. As I read, could you do me a favor, please, and hit the thumbs up button. Thumbs up, share, subscribe. If you have not done that yet, my name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. This is the home for intelligent black people, so if you do not value intelligence, then I need you to exit stage left. Because we ain't got time for your raggedy ass. We we trying to learn. We're trying to grow. We're trying to build. So uh, that's what we do up in this platform. Also, uh, if you want to go to boycewalkins.com, there are free resources there. My PhDs in finance. I have a ton of resources I've created specifically for black people that will make you smarter than every investor in your family. I guarantee that. So let's keep going here. So uh, a couple of facts about Juneteenth that you should understand. Um, effectively. Uh, there were several emancipation proclamations. Did y'all know that the fifth emancipation proclamation was actually written by the uh, the Confederate leadership? Did y'all know that? That literally it was the Confederates who wrote the, the fifth emancipation proclamation. Why did they write a fifth emancipation proclamation? Well, Dr. Anderson and I talked about this. He confirmed my suspicions. 
basically the reason they wrote the Fifth Emancipation Proclamation in 1965 is because they wanted to, surprise, surprise, use Black people as a pawn in the Civil War. So the North and the South are fighting. When the South realizes that they're losing the war, they wrote a Fifth Emancipation Proclamation saying, we're going to free all the Black people who fight for the South. So they were doing basically what the Democrats and the Republicans do to you to this day. They offer you stuff to use you as a pawn in their battle against other white people. Because before the uh, Third and Fourth Emancipation Proclamations, if I'm not mistaken, I'm going to read this to make sure I give you the right facts, was written by the uh, the Union, by, by you know Lincoln and his crew. They also offered to free the slaves to get you to fight on their behalf. And I believe the first Emancipation Proclamation was in 1775, written by the British, who also wanted to use you to get you to fight on their behalf in the Revolutionary War. How many of y'all knew that? So ultimately what Dr. Anderson said, and I specifically remember this, is he said, ain't no black person been freed by no Emancipation Proclamation. No black person has ever been freed by any Emancipation Proclamation. So, so he says, look, ignore that nonsense. Tell them you want your check. The other thing, too, about America is you got to understand this. Let's check this out. Process it like this. I want you to imagine it's 1865 and it's Juneteenth, 1865. You're living in Galveston. Life is good for you, right? Because the Union soldiers come in and, uh, you know, you're always waiting for Superman. You're waiting for your Savior. So your Savior finally comes in. You say, Lord Jesus, Lordy B, thank you, Jesus. Uh, the, the good white folks have arrived. Okay. So let me tell you a little bit about that. I'm imagining that it's, it's a hot summer day. Galveston's hot. Me and my wife actually got married in Galveston. Uh, and uh, and so I like that place. It's a nice place. Nice. It's a beautiful city. So you sit in this beautiful city. It's steaming hot. You just came in from picking cotton and you hit, you see a big white man on a horse who says, y'all's is free. You get used free now. Okay. What does that mean? Well, let me tell you a little secret about this thing called freedom. And, I, and I'm going to actually share my screen a little bit because if you're watching on Spotify, you won't you won't see this, but you'll but you, but I'll just read it to you. I'm going to tell you a little bit about this thing called freedom. Freedom is a kind of a tricky thing. You know, freedom is is tricky, especially when you don't fight and demand your freedom. When you actually when someone gives you your freedom, you got to learn how to read the fine print. You see. And so the Emancipation Proclamation, unfortunately, had a little bit of fine print that I don't know if. Your, your critical race theory class is really going to tell you about. So I'm going to read this proclamation. It's called General Order Number 3. This is what was released on Juneteenth. This is our Lordy B, thank you, Jesus moment. Uh, this is what we celebrate. This is why you get the day off and stuff like that. All right, so let me let me see if I can make it bigger so, so we can read it. And I'm going to read it out loud for those of you that are listening on Spotify, the Dr. Boyce Breakdown. That's my Spotify podcast. Okay, it says... Uh, it was read by General Gordon. I don't have his name in front of me. We'll call him Flash, Flash Gordon. So Flash Gordon comes in and in proclamation or, or, or order number three, he says, the people of Texas are informed. I'm going to use my Southern accent. The people of Texas are informed in accordance with a proclamation from executive of the executive of the United States that all slaves are free. This involves an absolute equality of personal rights and, and property between former masters and slaves and the connection heretofore existing between them becomes that of employer and hired labor. Okay. So it's good. But then they, they drop the other little piece on you to say 
okay, we're not really, you're not, you're free, but we need y'all to do some work. We need y'all to do the work. Because, you know, black people doing all the work, right? So they said, they said that you have absolute equality of personal rights and proper and rights of property. That's good. That's good. You did good with that part. He says, but but he says, and the connection heretofore existing between them becomes that between employer and hired labor. Now, according to Professor James Small, who came onto this podcast not long ago, and I love Professor James Small very much, he says that what happened in Juneteenth, according to Professor Small, was that black people went from being unpaid slaves to becoming paid slaves. So you went from the traditional plantation to the corporate plantation, which is where many of us remain to this day. So, so it, in fact, according to Professor Small, he says that not only did they they recommend, and I'm about to read the rest of you, this to y'all, because I see this, this thing, you got to read the fine print. It's like the 13th Amendment, how they add that little part, like you're not a slave unless you've been convicted of a crime. And then all bets are off. All bets are off. We're going straight back to Negroville at that point. At that point, we're going right back to eight, to 1704, right? And if you, if you find some reason to convict you of a crime, or somehow label you a criminal by criminalizing things because we write the laws, then there is no, you're not free anymore, right? That's why your cousin was up in Pelican Bay somewhere working for a dollar a day, doing a job that normally pays $40 an hour for AT&T. So, 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 so that, so that first part about employer employee, I thought that was really interesting. See, y'all, we got to we got to start reading the proclamations in detail. All right, so here's the last part that's really interesting. So this is where they give us advice. You know, good white the good white folks like to give us advice. They like to try to help us. So listen to what they advise, <clears throat> and I want and I want you to read this carefully. They said the freedmen are advised to remain quietly at their present homes and work for wages. So they're advising you to stay at home and keep working for Massa and you'll get a little paycheck. Now, who's going to decide how much you get paid? Well, we can't take everything from Massa, so we're going to let Massa decide how much you're going to get because, you know, as because white people have just such a wonderful history of treating us so fairly. And then he says they are informed that they will not be allowed to collect at military posts and that they will not be supported in idleness either there or elsewhere. So who's they? You're the they. You're the they. Remember, you're the black person on the plantation in Galveston in, in 1865. And so they said, you are basically informed that you will not be allowed to collect at military posts. So you cannot go to the military. So, so the good white folks, they'll come free you. They're kind of coming to free you. They're doing a good job, but they really don't want you around. They don't want you thinking, okay, we're going to get on a horse together and go up north. No, 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 no. Keep your black ass here. And then they, the last piece, it said they will not be supported in idleness either there or elsewhere. That sounds pretty benign. That sounds like a pretty simple statement, right? Like, don't be sitting around doing nothing. We're going to expect you to do something. But what, what, what I'm gathering from this, again, I'm not a historian here, but, but speaking with people that I respect, like Professor James Small and Dr. Claude Anderson, this sounds like the beginning of the vagrancy laws. Now, are you all familiar with the vagrancy laws? If you're not, that's okay. I told you this is a platform for intelligent black people. That don't mean you got to know everything. It means you got to be smart enough to know how little you know. You got to be smart enough to want to know more. You got to be smart enough to realize that we don't know everything. We're trying to figure out what really happened to our ancestors. We're doing a CSI episode here, okay? We're investigating. 
because the school system has lied to you, right? So basically, the vagrancy law said, pay attention now, that if you don't have a job, that means you go to jail. And what did I say earlier about the 13th Amendment? Well, that well, you go to jail, all bets are off. All that stuff we talking about freedom and all that. No, no, no. You don't get that anymore because you are technically a criminal and criminals ain't got no rights. So you know what we're going to do to you? Because, because you chose not to work for Massa and you walking in the streets, we're going to lock you up and then we're going to lease you right back to Massa. And now you ain't going to get paid nothing maybe a penny a day. So we can technically say that it's not technical slavery because we're technically paying you. But slavery is does not mean you're paid or unpaid. Slavery is just a lack of freedom. Slavery just means you can't do what you want to do. So if you really want to use that explanation and really go deeper into 200 years later, a lot of black people still ain't free. A lot of black people, uh, the vast majority, the overwhelming massive majority of black people in 1865 worked for a white person. Well, the vast overwhelming majority of black people in 2023 work for a white person. And a damn thing changed in certain areas. I'm not saying that it's not better. I'm not saying that you're going through what they went through. I think you have opportunities they did not have. In fact, that's why I get so frustrated when I see black people that don't want to learn, don't want to work, don't want to take care of their kids. It makes me mad because you do have freedom to do things that they cannot do. So let's stop with the whole like this is the same as slavery. This ain't the same. They went through stuff you can't even imagine. They went through horrors that you that would that would be worse than your worst nightmare. So let's just be clear. I'm not saying that we're still living the same as we did in 1863, but I am saying that you're probably celebrating in a premature fashion. When you get up and you're doing your Juneteenth buck dance and talk about how wonderful things are, I'm going to ask you to stop dancing and start paying attention. I need you to understand that the job was not finished. The job wasn't finished. Because here's another little thing about freedom is that in America, things cost money. Having a place to live costs money. Having clothes on your back costs money. Getting food costs money. So you are a slave in 1865 in Galveston and you supposedly have your freedom. But do, did they give the slaves any uh, any place to live if they decided to be free? No, they did not. Did they give them any clothing to put on their backs when they claimed that they were free? No, they did not. Did they give them any money for food? Did they say, here's some McDonald's money, you know, like your mama did when you would go on a school field trip to make sure you didn't starve that day? Did they do any of that? No, they did not. Did they give them any weapons that they could use to defend themselves? No, they did not. Did they give them tools that they could use to go and, and, and do a job and, and make money that way? No, they did not. Did they give them any land they were giving away? Just uh, millions of acres of land? Did they give any of that land to black people? No, 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 they did not. But they they promised land. They promised things like 40 acres and a mule. I'm still waiting on my 40 acres. I want the 40 acres and the mule. And if you ain't going to give me the 40 acres and the mule, then don't ask me for my vote. I'm not voting for you because you owe me 40 acres and a mule plus interest. I will take 40 acres, a Cadillac, and... $2.5 million in at least business financing so I can really expand my organization. That's what I'd like to have. That's what I want. So ultimately, when you're talking about Juneteenth, stop using the word freedom in correspondence with Juneteenth. A better word to use in reference to Juneteenth is not the word freedom. The best word to use is symbolism. Juneteenth and the many proclamations were a symbolic gesture that did move us a little closer to freedom than we were before. 
It's not that Juneteenth was a bad thing. But sometimes what happens is that they they give you a peanut and make you think that you got a gourmet meal. And then they expect you to celebrate and jump up and down and get excited. And some of our people still, because they have not been properly educated on exactly what Juneteenth means, they really start believing that we've actually made it. All right, so do me a favor, hit the thumbs up button, thumbs up, share, subscribe. I'm, I'm going to read from Dr. Claude Anderson's book. It's called The Black History Reader. His website is powernomics.com. If you want your kids to learn history, you got teachers, master teachers in your community. You don't need some white lady from the suburbs teaching your children history. You're supposed to do that. You got people like Professor James Small. You got people out here like um, uh, uh, Anthony Browder. You got people out here like Dr. Claude Anderson. You have so many brilliant people in your community that can teach you. Learn from them. Learn, learn the truth. Stop waiting on other people. Stop believing white folks. You need white folks to do anything. They're not your parents. No disrespect. I know people get mad. They think I'm anti-white when I talk like this. I'm not anti-white. I'm just very pro-black. We have to learn our power. We have to learn that anything y'all can do, we can do better. You have to learn that, in, that, that there's not, no such thing as them giving you opportunity. You can create opportunity. Stop waiting on other people to give you an opportunity to be great. Black excellence is in your blood. Black excellence does not need permission. Black masculinity does not need somebody to clear a path. Black masculinity clears its path. The, the, the divine feminine does not need permission to be divine. You God gave you all of that. God gave you your freedom. You just got to know how to go grab it. Oh, so anyway, let me keep going here. Let me let me read a little bit. I'm reading from this book. Hit the thumbs up button, please. Thumbs up, thumbs up, share, subscribe. A reminder: this podcast is on Spotify. So if you go to Boy, if you go to Spotify, look up my name, you'll find it. Also at boycewatkins.com. Uh, I have some stuff there, some tra- a free training I did called How to Make Money Without Working. Feel free to go take a look at that. All right, so I'm gonna read this. This is page uh one. What page is this? One oh, hold on, one oh nine in the Black History Reader. Here's what Dr. Anderson says. The question here is, were blacks legally or symbolically emancipated from institutionalized enslavement? He says, considering the fact that the 20, in the 21st century, blacks are still treated as a socioeconomic underclass and political outgroup, the real legal status of blacks in America is unclear. History reveals that since the founding of this country, there were numerous emancipation proclamations that proposed the end of slavery and set blacks free. Give me a yes if you understand. There was not one emancipation proclamation. There's not the emancipation proclamation. It is those emancipation proclamations with an S at the end. Give me a yes if you get that. I want to make sure you know that. They ain't going to teach you that in school. Let's keep going. However, uh, they, they, so there, there is a myth that the, the Emancipation Proclamations uh, proposed to end slavery and set blacks free. However, none, in fact, did. None did. So Dr. Anderson, according to his book, The Black History Reader, which you can get at powernomics.com, he says that the Emancipation Proclamations, plural, never freed black people. And he would probably argue that you're still not really free today. You're kind of free-ish, but you're not really free. You get your economic straight, you get a little closer to freedom. That That's very important. So let me keep reading. The nation's first emancipation proclamation was proposed by Lord Dunmore, the British royal governor of Virginia, in November 1775. So this was not the Civil War. The first emancipation proclamation was a revolutionary war. On the eve of the American Revolutionary War, Lord Dunmore offered freedom to any slave who would take up arms against the colonies and fight with the British troops. So this is the first example that Dr. Anderson gives in his book 
of black people being used as pawns in a battle between white people. So the British white people were fighting with the American white people. They said, hey, if you come fight with us, we'll hook you up. So the Democrats and Republicans are going at it. And uh, and so that's the offer. So Lord Dunmore, uh, he offered the freedom three months later. Fearful of the armed of the of, of the harm armed and angry slaves would bring to European white colonists, Lord Dunmore reconsidered and withdrew his emancipation proclamation to free the blacks. So they almost got free. They got close to tasting something that was like freedom, and he took it away because he got worried about what the other white folks were going to think. And he was worried about what what angry was it? Wait, hold on. He says, fearful of the harm armed and angry slaves. Sorry, so scratch that. He was scared of free black people and how pissed off you would be over what they did to you. Now, I think that's really, really interesting, right? So let's keep going. <clears throat> so he says, nearly a century later in 1852, a second Emancipation Proclamation was drafted in response to Nat Turner's slave revolt. So Nat Turner, rest his soul, went out, had his amazing revolt. He's killed. And then in 1852, that's the second Emancipation Proclamation. We haven't even gotten to Abraham Lincoln yet. Turner's revolt shook the nation especially the southern slaveholding states, frightened. So when they see a brave, intelligent black man, that scares the crap out of them, right? So that's why a lot of you black men, you, you strong black men out there, you're going to have to do this on your own. They, they, you're not going to get no help from no allies. Ain't no ally. There's, there's rarely an ally that will take on a strong and intelligent black man and give him the, the opportunity to truly express who he truly is. So you're going to have to build that on your own. You're going to have to build together. I was in Atlanta sitting with a lot of strong, intelligent black men, and we were sitting there just gloating over the fact that we don't need nobody in order to rise. We're all we're we're gonna we're coming together and we're going to get this thing done. So that's pretty much what you're stuck with, right? So because this is history, this is history. Nat Turner scared the country. So Nat Turner made them think, oh my God, if these black people pick up this same energy, we're in trouble. So it so he says, uh, frightened by the successful slave revolt in Haiti and Nat Turner's revolt in Virginia. Many Southern slaveholders indicated a willingness to end black enslavement and then send black slaves back to Africa, Texas, or the Caribbean islands. Did y'all know that? How many of y'all knew that? That they were considering in 1852 to say, look, we'll let you go. Just get the hell up out of here. We need y'all to go back to Africa. We're sending y'all to Texas. We're sending y'all to Caribbean. We don't want to be around you. We don't want to live in, we don't want you living in our neighborhoods. We, you know, so so all this integration, we shall overcome stuff that they were talking about a hundred years later. That was not, they were not interested in that. They wanted to free you so you could leave. So it says here, let me keep reading. He says, blacks in the street quickly galvanized Virginia legislators to offer what constituted a third emancipation proclamation that proposed simply to abolish slavery. Ironically, nearly half of Virginia's legislators voted to abolish slavery in Virginia, the birthplace of black American slavery. And Dr. Anderson does a wonderful job of highlighting the fact that slavery didn't start off just as kind of a black thing. Let me let me hit a button here. Slavery actually started off as something that wasn't just for black people. There were actually black people who owned slaves, believe it or not. And, and it became a black thing after a while. So the book is The Black History Reader from Dr. Claude Anderson. His website is powernomics.com. That's where you can get a copy. So, so here's what else he says. So he says, ironically, half of Virginia's legislators voted to ab abolish slavery in Virginia. They came just a few votes short of ending slavery and preventing the Civil War they followed. So uh, according to Dr. Anderson, they would have prevented the Civil War had they went ahead and, and agreed to abolish slavery, but they didn't. So a few years later, 1863, so you go from 1852 to 1863 now, 11 years into the future. After the Civil War had begun, President Abraham Lincoln reluctantly 
offered the well-known Fourth Emancipation Proclamation. So when they say the Emancipation Proclamation, they're talking about the one in 1863, but really it's not the original. It is the Fourth Emancipation Proclamation. So the uh, he says it did it, listen. So he says he reluctantly offered the well-known Fourth Emancipation Proclamation that did not free a single black slave, even though it was symbolic. It gave blacks some sense of hope, which they annual which they recall annually on Juneteenth Day. Contrary to what so many blacks believe, Abraham Lincoln signed the well-known Emancipation Proclamation in an effort to save the Union, not out of love and compassion for black slaves. So Howard University, please take that Abraham Lincoln mural off the side of your building. It makes it, it looks jackassedly. I, I love that school and I love the people there. I love my friends at Howard, but that mural is jackassedly. Let me keep going. Lincoln's proclamation was a propaganda ploy. Doesn't that sound familiar? Symbolism to lift the spirits of the tired Union troops as well as expectant blacks. The proclamation announced that all persons held as slaves within any state in rebellion against the United States were henceforth and forever free. President Lincoln had no control over the rebelling Southern states and no constitutional authority to abolish slavery in loyal states. So he had no authority to, impl to, to implement this. You understand what I'm saying? He had no authority. He, he, he literally, he couldn't control the South and he had no power in the North to do this. He did not have congressional approval. So, but he just said, I'm gonna write this up and hope that hope for the best. Um, so he says, consequently, black slaves actually had to wait until the end of the Civil War and passage of the 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution before they gained some quasi-freedom. Now, the reason he called it quasi-freedom is because you all know from Ava DuVernay, shout out to her and her great uh, her great work on the 13th Amendment, you know that there was that little clause that says that you are free unless you get uh, accused of a crime which is why many of you, just like me and my own family, have people that went to prison and they were put back into slavery in prison. That's because slavery is not illegal in the United States. It is legal as long as they can find some loophole to con convince or to, co to um, accuse you of a crime, okay, convict you of a crime. So let me keep going. So he says a fifth emancipation proclamation was proposed by the Southern Confederacy in the closing months of the Civil War. Some of its most prominent leaders wanted to use their Emancipation Proclamation to recruit black slaves to fight the Civil War on behalf of the South. So the South actually issued the Fifth Emancipation Proclamation. General Robert E. Lee and Jefferson Davis, the president of the Southern, of the Southern Confederacy, announced in their Emancipation Proclamation willingness to free the slaves in exchange for official recognition from the North that the South was an independent and sovereign territory. The North refused. Even so, the Southern Confederacy finally decided to set blacks free, but by then it was too late. The war was over and the Southern Confederacy had lost. Five different emancipation proclamations were proposed, but none of them actually ended slavery. Each of the above five proclamations was issued for a specific purpose of the issuer. So they were specifically using your pain, your struggle, your plight to pursue their own agenda. How familiar is that? I'll, I'll just let you marinate on this and all the different people with all the different agendas who use black pain and suffering as a way to pursue an agenda that is their own. None of these people are interested in the black agenda because if they were interested in the black agenda, they would go ahead and pay you that $13 trillion reparation check if that, that is owed to you. The black agenda must be pursued by you. 
sitting around waiting. I understand it's our habit since slavery. We were taught to sit and wait for white folks to pick an agenda that took care of us. That's what we that's what we do. That's what we're taught to do. We've been trained for hundreds of years to be really, really passive and to say, gosh, I, I really hope I can. You got speakers that go around to college campuses and spend uh, a lot of time. And, and no disrespect to people like Ken Do, I think it's Ken Do Isaacs and stuff like that. I, I like the guy. I like what he's trying to do. I was He wrote about me in his book. He wrote this great best-selling book that I never read, but somebody told me, yeah, he wrote about me on page 212 or something. I don't know what page it was. I didn't even read the book, but but I I, I get it. I understand what he's trying to do. I understand. I, I, I totally respect it because that's something that I was trying to do 20 years ago, but one of the things I realized is that sitting around trying to convince white folks to be nice to you is not your pathway to freedom. Trying to educate people that that hardly really truly want to understand exactly what you want or who feel some sort of paternalistic um, ownership over your fate is absolutely degrading to you. And uh, my goal is not to convince white people that we deserve our freedom. My goal is to convince black people because I believe that and while we've got the other people out there convincing the white folks, I think that's a wonderful thing. But I believe that once I fully convince black people that we deserve our freedom, then we will have it. Because people don't get enslaved if they refuse to be slaves. Remember, you were not uh, you were not the first choice. There were other groups that they could have enslaved. They could have enslaved Chinese people. They could have enslaved Native Americans. They could have enslaved a lot of people, but they chose you for specific reasons. We won't go into that. But the point of the matter is to say that mindset is everything. So what I'm looking at here is I'm seeing that 2023 is a continuation of the same shenanigans we saw in 1863. The 2023 ain't much different from what we saw before the Civil War. 2023, where they are using you and your plight and your loyalty to pursue the, an agenda that belongs to them is no different at all from what they were doing just 140, 150 years ago. It wasn't that long ago. The, the world ain't nothing's really changed in, in, in a lot of ways. So effectively, what this is really saying here, thank you, Dr. Claude Anderson, for writing this, because this has educated people like me, is he basically says that all these emancipation proclamations, if you start with the first one written by in, in, in the Revolutionary War, that was written so the British could win the war. If you look at the second one that was written in 1852. That was written because they were so scared of black people because Nat Turner set that shit on fire and they saw what happens when black people ain't scared. So they got nervous. They got scared. So when y'all walk in there bold and strong and ready to fight, just know people are going to react. Even your friends aren't going to, some of your friends aren't going to like you anymore. When I, when I changed my behavior and became the person I am now, um, I lost a lot of friends, not because I'm a bad person, but just because they just didn't know what to do with a black man that wasn't docile, that was actually smarter than them, who wasn't afraid of them, who didn't submit to their power. When they go to the third Emancipation Proclamation by Abraham Lincoln, he exposed, oh, sorry, the third one, it wasn't Abraham Lincoln, I apologize. Abraham Lincoln did the fourth Emancipation Proclamation, if I'm not mistaken. The third one was done in Virginia, uh, where uh, with Virginia legislators, where they were also trying to get you out of the country. And then the fifth one was done by the South out of just sheer desperation. In all those cases, from what I'm gathering, the goal of the Emancipation Proclamation was not to give you something because they like you. Stop trying to get people to like you. They were giving you something because it fit their agenda to offer you that thing. And so I think that with reparations, which Dr. Anderson says should be the number one agenda item for every black person in this country, I think that the only way you're going to get support from other people on your reparations uh, pursuit is if you make it in their interest for them to support you on reparations. The way I'm going to make it or put it in your best interest is I'm not voting for you or anything that you want until you write me that check. 
F you pay me. So if you don't want Trump to be president again, well, then you write my check and then he won't be president because we'll show up and vote. We've proven that we will do that. But the idea that there are black people who get angry when I say this, the fact that you have so many people that get just damn, I mean, I'm talking about upset, mad that you're doing something different. That showed you how deep brainwashing can go. That showed you how deeply committed we are to the status quo. Most psychologists will tell you that 70 to 80% of all people will follow an authority, even if the authority is wrong. 70 to 80% of all people will follow the crowd, even when the crowd is wrong. Why is that? Because people are afraid of being different. Being different requires you to have enough self-love, enough self-esteem, enough commitment to your cause that you're willing to go down bloody and burning if that means that maybe you're wrong or if that means that nobody's going to stand with you or if that means that there's going to be a price to pay. So I'm not really looking for the whole black community to galvanize around this one issue. I can't convince 40 million black people to get on the same page because some of y'all Negroes are crazy. I'm sorry. Some of y'all, I can't work. I don't know what to do with you because you're so determined to do whatever you've been doing. So I'm not talking to those individuals. I'm talking to that 20, 30 percent. I'm talking. I need a few good men and a few good women that will stand with me when as I'm reading these facts to you. And just be true to your purpose. Be true to your cause. Be true to what you believe. Stop letting these people bully you into doing something that you know don't make no damn sense. I'm not sitting here trying to say that it's uh, that it's wrong for you to vote for a Democrat. I'm not here to tell you that it's wrong for you to vote for a Republican. I'm just here to tell you that there's nothing wrong with you voting for yourself. So if you want to know who I'm voting for in the next election, I'm not voting for a Democrat. I'm not voting for a Republican. But in every single election, I'm going to vote for black people. And the best way I know to vote for black people is not at the polls. It is it is it is in your bank account. It is to teach you the fundamentals of wealth so that you will be able to do what the Jewish community has done so successfully, which is to be able to fight and to have strength that out that is disproportionate to your numbers in the population. If Jewish people depended on elections to get power, then the Jewish community would have no power. If they needed to have a, to galvanize enough votes in order to get their agenda pursued, they would never have they would never accomplish anything. What the Jewish community has done masterfully, and this is where I where I disputed with Kanye West when we were on the phone. I told him flat out, I said, I said I wouldn't have married a Kardashian uh, because Kardashians are crazy. I, I married me a Donda. Your your mother it was a professor from the South Side of Chicago and a black woman. My wife is a professor from the South Side of Chicago and a black woman. And then the second thing I said to him is, I said I ain't got nothing against the Jewish community. I don't know where that's coming from, but I'm not I'm not co-signing none of that stuff because I don't dislike anybody. What what I do believe is that the Jewish community is a great economic template to pay attention to, to understand how a small, tiny group of people can amass an amount of power where you really feel like they're everywhere. You feel like their power, you they, you you get scared like they the boogeyman, like oh they're, they're gonna come get you, they're gonna cancel you, they're gonna because they because they do have that level of power, and it's, there's nothing wrong with saying that. They're, in fact, they're so powerful that they'll punish you for even saying that they're powerful because they're so damn powerful. So, so, so there's a construct behind this line of thinking. There's a construct, there's a culture around this. This is not hard. I had tons of Jewish students when I was teaching at Syracuse University. These are not secrets. These are things that people like me can explain to you. The hard part, the thing I cannot give you is the ability and the willingness to break away from your very bad, very toxic economic habits. I can't, I can't, can't do that for you. You have to do that for yourself. 
So ultimately what Dr. Anderson and I agree on, we agree on a lot of stuff, but I like the way Dr. Claude Anderson in his book, The Black History Reader, it's on Powernomics.com. Go check it out. I love the way he just gives you that information that you never would have got. So how many of you, give me a yes or no. Give me a yes or no in the chat right now. How many of you knew that there were there, there were at least five emancipation proclamations? Did anybody else know that? Did anybody else go to a high school where they said, no, this was the first emancipation proclamation. This was the second emancipation proclamation in, 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 in 1852. This is the third emancipation proclamation a few years after that. How many of you went to, did anybody else, did anybody, I'm looking for one yes. Did anybody have a high school that taught you that there were five emancipation proclamations and that none of them formally freed anybody? Anybody, give me a yes. I'm looking for one yes. Christina, no. Uh, Lisa Parker, no. A. Evans, no. Aunt Brown, no. Tracy Caldwell, no. Detroit Detail, no. I, I ain't seen a yes yet. Not one. So the fact that there's not one single person, not one of you, and thousands of you are going to watch this podcast, the fact that there's not one of you who can say that you learned in a public school that there were five emancipation proclamations, imagine how much other stuff they never told you that you really, really, really need to know. I mean, that this is the tip of the. This is lightweight. This ain't. This ain't. This ain't heavy. This isn't like, for example, the store. The fact that they used to feed our babies to alligators as bait. This is. This is not heavy like that, right? But I. But so. So what I'm saying to you is that 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 there's there, there's ways to sort of look at knowledge. There's what you know, which is really tiny. There's what you don't know, which is much much bigger. And then there's what you don't know. You don't know. And that's the biggest group of all. That's that's the universe of knowledge that's out there. So when it comes to our ancestors, 0.1% is what we know. But 99.9% .9 is either what we don't know or what we don't know we don't know. And that's what I want to know. And that's why I look to the master teachers to teach me history. I do not look to the public school system. I educated my our kids today on Juneteenth, and I said, this is what really happened in Juneteenth. I encourage all of you, give me a yes if you will do this right now. Go talk to your kids and tell them what really happened on Juneteenth. You ain't got to be cynical. You ain't got to say, oh, it was, a it was a bunch of nonsense and they didn't do anything for us. No, I think that some white guy on a horse reading a proclamation or whatever telling us that we're free, I think that that was some degree of progress, right? So you don't have to be extreme about it. But you got to be honest. You know, white people, aren't y'all. they're not Jesus. You know, and, and I think that that's the problem that I have with history is they teach it in a way where we're supposed to sit around and say, thank you, Lordy B. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so happy that, that you gave me this. And then what happens is that you're not thinking about all the other things that are owed to you outside of that. they. Th this was the scariest thing in the world. I mean, imagine that. You're quote, allegedly being led to be free. But number one, you're being forced to go back to the old plantation and work for the same person you worked for before, except now you're a paid slave instead of unpaid slave. Maybe you're lucky enough to be a sharecropper or you get arrested in the vagrancy laws, which in which they lease you back to the master. Or you had to do what the B1 people did at that time, which was they ran away and formed all these free black towns all across this country. There were so many prosperous black towns created after the Civil War. And what happened was that there was a massive white backlash where a lot of these towns were burned down and the people were killed. Your old reparations for that, too, by the way, in the trillions of dollars. Uh, black Wall Street was just one of many. Black Wall Street, it took years to just get them to teach people about Black Wall Street. But they're not teaching you about the hundreds of other black owned towns that got burned down, too. 
So we got to learn our own history. We have to teach ourselves. Uh, in fact, in, in the Black Business School, we our, our core beliefs are what we call the Black Core Three. Black people should educate our own children, create our own jobs, and support Black-owned businesses. That's the Black Core of Three. And I will say, to, to give credit to Kanye West, when I mentioned the Black Core of Three to him, he did internalize that, and he texted me the next morning, the Black Core of Three, and I appreciated the fact that he took that information in and processed that. Maybe one day he'll, he'll want to be a part of that. All right, so anyway, do me a favor. Please hit the thumbs up button, thumbs up, thumbs up, share, subscribe. The name of Dr. Anderson's book is The Black History Reader. It's available at Powernomics.com. Uh, also, my website is BoyceWatkins.com. Uh, on that site, you guys know I'm a finance professor, so uh, I have a training called How to Make Money Without Working. I have a new book out. It's on Amazon. It's called The Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power. So if you want to go to Amazon and pick up a copy, feel free to do that. Also, on my website, uh, there are things like financial flashcards for kids and stuff if you want to train your kids about wealth. Um, I think that's the most important thing you can do for your child if you want them to truly know what freedom is. And that gets to my last point. This is the last point I make. Then we're going to be done. Um, so, so you think go back to imagining it's 1865. Uh, the white guy on the horse came through and, and read General Order Number Three, which uh, effectively said, and I'm going to read this again, so you know exactly what the General Order said for Juneteenth. It said the people of Texas are informed that in accordance with that with a proclamation from the Executive of the United States, all slaves are free. This involves an absolute equality of personal rights and rights of property from between former slaves and masters and slaves. And the connection heretofore existing between them becomes that between employer and hired labor. The freedmen are advised to remain quietly at their homes and work for wages. They are informed that they will not be allowed to collect their military posts and that they will not be supported in idleness either there or elsewhere. Okay, so uh, so again, we know that that led to uh, a lot of people um, leaving the regular plantation for the corporate plantation. So they're being paid by the old master at whatever wage the master wants to pay. Uh, and then also they're being told that if they don't have a job, they're going to get arrested and sent back at least back to the slave masters because that's where the vagrancy laws came from. So I want you to imagine what it must have felt like to be black in 1865 in Galveston. So they tell you, OK, you're free to go now. You can leave. Now, think about this. You're being released with no money. Uh, you're being released with no tools. You have no weapons. You have no land. You have no clothes on your back. And you have no food. If you have nothing, if you, and then also on top of that, you have no skill, no, no survival skill, nothing that's really going to help you survive as a free person. Are you really free at that point? Answer that question for me. Give me a yes or no. Is a person, if I say, well, sure, you can go, go do what you want. If I'm in a relationship with a woman and let's say that I have been financially abusive and I made sure I like to keep my women barefoot and naked in the kitchen and I don't want my woman getting no education. Let's say I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, let's say that I'm one of those terrible, abusive men and I don't want my woman to have no self-esteem. I don't want my woman to have no support. I moved her to Alaska to get her away from her relatives. And then and then on top of that, we got eight babies and she's taking care of the babies and she ain't, had no time to go to school, get no schooling. She ain't got no money, no nothing. And then she, get, and then she gets mad at me one day. We get into an argument. And I say, well, fine, you're free to go. You're free to leave. Can she really leave? What do you think? Is she really free to go? Why am I answering that question? Well, because this is what your ancestors went through in 1865. This is my point. If you don't have the resources required for you to exist as a free black man or free black woman, then you're not really free at all. Freedom is the ability to choose what you want to be, what you want to do, where you want to go, all that. 
if you don't have the things you need to survive, then you're not really free. Just like that woman, I could say, yeah, you can leave, but we're living in the middle of Alaska. She has no friends or family, doesn't know her way home, doesn't have any money, doesn't have, you know, have any skill. She's not really free. So, so the point is that you are like that abused woman in that terrible, toxic relationship. You release your children out into this society at the age of 18. These kids get out in this world. Uh, most of these kids in Chicago public schools can't hardly read at grade level. <clears throat> they have no, nobody ever taught them how to start a business. And so they're depending on white people to create jobs. Nobody gave them a trade. You gave away your trade schools. For some reason, you don't understand how much money these carpenters, plumbers, and electricians are making. So you know, nobody gave them any uh, inheritance or any assets. They don't own any property. They don't own any stock. They don't have any cash. And then you say, well, you're free to go now. You can do whatever you want. No, first thing that a free, so-called free person with no resources is going to do is they're going to look to sell themselves into slavery. The first thing you're going to do when, <clears throat> when you're trying to survive and you don't have the tools to survive is you're going to go look for a master. You're going to say, oh, I got to get me a job. I need a job. Y'all need, and then and then when white folks say, well, what do you want in the next election? We're like, we got these fake leaders out here that'll say, well, we need more jobs. We need more slavery opportunities for black folks because we need more black people going on these jobs. Do you understand the correlation here? It's deeply connected. You're asking for comfortable slavery because because being uh be, because freedom is too hard. Freedom is uncomfortable when you don't have the resources to survive. So if you want to ask, if you ask me, what do you want for your children? I would say to you, I know what I want for my kids. And I hope you want the same for yours. This is what I want for my kids, my grandkids, all that is I want them to have real freedom. That means I'm going to give them skills that are relevant to their life. That means skill that might involve a trade. That might involve learning how to start a business. It might involve managing their resources, how to run their household, all that. Half that crap they learn in school ain't never going to help them survive. The public school system is a bunch of crap. It is. It's mostly crap. Some of it's good. It's not all bad, but a lot of it's a bunch of crap. It's a bunch of, I mean, look at what they're learning. It's a bunch of damn crap. You got to give your kids the relevance skills. And the way you define what skills are relevant is you got to ask yourself, when my child is 30 years old, trying to survive and trying to be free, what skill will they need to have? What will they need to know? It could be as basic as knowing how to wash dishes and cook food <clears throat> and as advanced as knowing how to go file an LLC and sell a product so they can get money to pay the bills and acquire property and take care of their spouse and love their wife and manage the kids or be an electrician, right? Those are relevant skills. So I need you to understand, type the word relevant in the chat. I need you to make sure your children have relevant skills and relevant resources and not the irrelevant skills <clears throat> that are given when they're being educated by Massa, who's going to put them out there with no preparation for the future, just so they can lease them back to the slave master. You out here, no, no ability to take care of yourself no inheritance, no resources, no land, no property, no understanding of wealth, and, and, and but you got a stack of student loans. And, and so you got to go work for the corporate plantation because basically they made you into a sharecropper. A sharecropper is pretty much a person who is so deep in debt, and it's pretty much illegal debt if you ask me. I'm a college professor, but that the, these universities are are, are outrageous. Charging 70 up to, I think Syracuse University, where I used to teach, they're literally charging 70000 a year to go to that school. All the black kids I taught at Syracuse going back to, to the year 2001, 22 years ago, most of them still haven't repaid their student loans. And they're like in their 40s now. 
Come on. So, so, so basically, if you want, if you really want freedom, you're gonna have to walk away from the sharecropping system. This is all built to pursue an agenda that does not belong to you. I don't even think you have to be mad at the people that created the system. I encourage you, instead of spending your time being mad, just understand why they were incentivized to trap you in that way. Energy has to be trapped in order for it to be effective. When a rocket is blasted into outer space, all a rocket is is a controlled explosion. It's a bunch of energy coming from mixing these chemicals together that hate each other. And then there's an explosion. And then the rocket blasts off. But in order for the rocket to blast off, they got to control the explosion. If they don't control the explosion, the rocket falls apart. The whole system falls apart. So their goal, their first goal is to say, okay, we need to get all this energy. But when we get the energy, we got to trap it. We got to contain it so we can target it toward to pursue our agenda. So you... And your life and your time and your children and your family, y'all are the energy. You're the energy. You're the people that they must control. Your greatness is, is part of something they must control. Your genius is something they must control. Black genius is not necessarily an inherently scary thing for America, but it is a scary thing if it's not controlled. That's why your little black boy, they want to put it when he's too smart and too energetic. First thing they want to do is put him on uh, amphetamines to shut him down so that he'll calm down, sit down and shut up and put him under control. It's all about control. But if you think about this, there's no greater asset in the history of this country than hardworking black people who are under control. Hardworking black people who are manageable and under control are literally the rocket that will shoot you into the outer space. Whether you're a corporation trying to make a billion dollars selling chicken or you are a, a, a politician trying to get enough votes to become president of the United States, black people will serve you like no other. They will boost your rocket into the stratosphere because we've got all that black magic, that black girl magic, that black man magic. And as long as it's controlled, it will shoot you as far as you want to go. But when it gets out of control, when you get too many Boyce Watkinses out here, and this is what I'm doing, I'm trying to create. I want there to be 10 million Boyce Watkinses. I, and I'm just hoping to convince you that that's not a bad thing. I want, I want there to be 10. I want to be replicated. If I could clone myself, I would do that. I want there to be 10 million Boyce Watkinses who say, we're going to bring the same energy. In fact, we're going to bring more energy than that, but it's not going to be controllable energy. We're going to blow the whole rocket up. We're going to blow the whole system to pieces. And then we're going to take that energy and we're going to put it in our own rocket. And th that's going to pursue our agenda and go in the direction we want it to go. And it's going to be the B1 rocket. And the B1 rocket is going to go to planets and solar systems that you have never seen. If you take all the power and energy of black people, all the resources, all the talent, all the intelligence, all the capability we have, and you put it into a controlled space where we are pursuing an agenda that belongs to us, we shoot past everybody. We shoot past everybody because we we are the we are the toughest. We're the baddest. We're the prettiest, and we're the most capable of anybody out here. And, and, and tell me, you can't tell me I'm wrong. The reason I know you can't tell me I'm wrong is because you can't point to any other group of people that can say I, that my ancestors survived the horrors of the slave dungeons. Have you ever been to the slave dungeons in Ghana? If you haven't been, you got to go. It's gonna make you cry. There was a, a whole level of <clears throat> of of of, con of of like what looked like concrete in the ground, but it was actually like like feces or something that had like cemented over hundreds of years. Like it was that terrible. My ancestors survived that. That makes me damn proud. And then we're the only people that can say we survived the Middle Passage. Half the people died in the Middle Passage. We survived that. 
that that you can't tell me that don't make you a superhero. And then after that, my ancestors also survived 250 years of the most brutal slavery known to man and still came out shining. And then we survived 100 years of Jim Crow. And then we survived 40 years of mass incarceration and, and you dumping crack cocaine in our communities. And we still coming out on top. So you cannot tell me that we are not the chosen people. You cannot tell me that we are not implicitly <clears throat> graced through our struggle with what can only be defined as an epic superpower. We, we have become a group of people that can do things that other people cannot understand. Just go look at, just look at sports. Look at all the things you see black people doing that other people simply cannot do. So, so what I'm saying to you is that all you got to do now is believe that and then take all that power and apply it in the right way. Don't pour it into them, pour it into you. Don't pour it into their community. Put it in your community. Don't put it in their families. Put it in your family. You deserve it. You've been through enough. You deserve the heaven that should come at the end of your journey through hell. You survived hell. Now you deserve heaven. And all I want you to do is I want you to believe that you deserve it and to go for it and create that heaven for your kids. That's all I got to say. <clears throat> I don't have anything else to say. Um, I want to remind everybody, if you could, please go and support Dr. Anderson. Powernomics.com is where his books are. This is the Black History Reader. That's what I read from today. Uh, shout out also to Professor James Small, who also advised us on a lot of these issues. He's a, he's one of the key advisors on that um, epic show called uh, uh, Godfather of Harlem. He's a very smart man, and I, and I love him very much. Also, my name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. My podcast is on Spotify. If you go to if you look up my name on Spotify, you'll find it. If you could share this video with anybody who needs to be educated on on all these topics, I feel, I'd, I'd love it if you could share it. Uh, a couple more announcements. One, we have a movie coming out this summer with Rick Mathis uh, called B1 the Movie. It stars lots of great people. Dr. Claude Anderson is in it. Rizza Islam's in it. Queen of Fu is in it. Vicki Dillard's in it. Uh, Julian Gordon's in it. Julian is so special. He's the only black man I know who helped black people acquire a quarter billion dollars worth of real estate. No celebrities done it. No politicians done it. But B1 people can do this. This is what we're doing. And in the Black Business School, we've educated over 10 million of our people on how to buy their first share of stock because I want to use every ounce of my PhD to make sure that you have everything that you need. So feel free to go to my website. There's plenty of free stuff there. Uh, we have stuff for children, all kinds of stuff. So, and also there's a training there called how to make money without working. Feel free to take a look at that. All right, guys, I'm out of here. Have a good day. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you and, uh, and stay black y'all. And uh, I'll, I'll see you soon and uh, be black, be intelligent. And I want you to be happy also. See you later. Peace. Here we are, clan the isms, cataclysm, great. Our people out here struggling, trying to make it in this state. Everybody out here doing it, but we the ones who late. Now family, we the ones who gotta delegate. Get that money in the power, never be fake. Stick to co-sign for three, what did he say? Uh, create jobs, support our own. Educate the same and buy back your home. Got three degrees, triple ten. Three PhDs, now we on the CNN. DBTV, let's talk about negligence. Ignorance is bliss, but we can turn it to intelligence. Please, none of what you hear, half of what you see. Let's break it down here on Dr. Boyce TV. Here we are.